Hi there, and welcome to Gleaning and Gathering. This is your host, Eric Heimlich, and I'm glad that you're joining me here at my desk today here at Victory Acres for another conversation. The sound that you may hear in the background is not just uh, white noise, but it is the rain on the rooftop today. It is uh, pouring outside, and uh, it's, uh, it's a beautiful day if you're a duck. Much needed rain, and we're thankful for it. But today is September 11th, whenever you're listening to this. That's the date that I'm recording it. But uh, I've been reflecting on Psalm 65 today and wanted to share some reflections on that. And just reflections on life uh, living in a United States of America 21 years after the attacks on the World Trade Center, on our Pentagon, and on our nation. You know, there are a lot of things that uh, have been said about uh, the time in which we're living. I'm not going to try to really focus on that because the focus of this psalm, and really I believe the focus of our lives, should be on the bigger picture. And this psalm of David is all about God's power in relation to his creation. And the message that I'm going to try to share today is that this is our Father's world. You know, Satan may pollute and he may pervert, but he cannot create. And all that is beautiful and lovely about this world flows from the heart of our lovely Heavenly Father. And while sin has marred and unmade many things, God is still in control. And I think that's a message that we need to be emphasizing as Christians. The meek will inherit the earth. When the dust finally settles and the smoke finally clears on all of the wars of this world, we know who wins. He will have the last word. And brothers and sisters, I I really believe we need to keep that perspective. Because many times it it may seem like for all the world that uh, evil is winning. But it's not. Our God is in control. In Psalm 65, there are a series of reflections on God. And the psalmist is is saying some specific things about God. In verse 2 he says, You hear prayers. You know, God is not like the idols of stone and wood that have ears that cannot hear. Friends, he knows our name and he hears our prayers. And I think we need to be reminded of that. Also in verse 2, it it tells us that all people approach you. You know, Jesus said, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. He, of course, was quoting from the Old Testament when he said that, but he is actively at work drawing and welcoming people from every background. And I think that's really important for us to remember. This is not just about your particular ethnic group. All people is what God wants to be approaching him, and he is actively working in all kinds of places. Places that you and I have never been. Places that we've never seen. Through people that we have never met. And I'm always amazed when I go someplace. I shouldn't be, but I am. Uh, And I get there and I find out God's already at work there. Uh, Whether it's communist Cuba or or whether it's the farthest reaches of the world. And we get there and we think, wow, we're we're finally here. God has arrived. (laughs) And he's already at work. He's doing things. And uh, it is amazing to see all people approach you. Verse 3, you forgive our acts of rebellion. 
You know, he is a forgiving God. And while sin is serious, uh, he doesn't strike down every Ananias and Sapphira. And he doesn't uh, stone every person who's gathering sticks on the Sabbath. He longs to forgive. And the chief mourner at every sinner's funeral is God himself, as uh, my friend Mark Cravens once said in a message. He desires to forgive. Verse 4 May we be satisfied with the good things of your house, the psalmist says, your holy palace. You know, David recognizes here that they didn't choose God. It is God who chose them. He says that earlier in verse 4. You know, Jesus said the same thing. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. He, he gives us so many good things as his chosen people. He gives us beautiful things. But too often our hearts become hardened and our eyes become blinded to just how good they are. And the prayer of our heart should be, along with David, let us be satisfied. This satisfaction is one of the tools of the enemy. But God wants us to be satisfied with the good things of his house. He's given us so many wonderful things. And uh, truly, we should, be, we should be satisfied with them. He wants to satisfy us. He also says in this same same passage you answer our prayers you know it's one thing to know that he hears our prayers but he also answers his acts of deliverance again and again in response to the prayers of his people are, are one of the many reasons that we should praise him but how many times when we prayed for something and God answers do we immediately think well it probably just worked out that way you know and instead of giving him the praise that he so rightfully deserves, we just think, well, you know, it, it, it probably was just coincidence that it happened like that. And fail to recognize that, no, it, it is him answering us. He is answering prayer. I'm thankful that he does and that he provides that deliverance for his people. And he continues to. Verse 6, you created the mountains by your power. You know, you can't help but stand by a place like Pikes Peak or the Himalaya Mountains and not recognize how small we are in relation to the majesty of God. You can't gaze into the, the beautiful sky and all the stars that are out there and not be like the psalmist who said, when I consider these things, what is man that you're mindful of him? Why in the world do you even pay attention to us? You know, when you, when you recognize how powerful God is, it puts our humanity and where we are in perspective. And it should. Friends, we are so small on this, this earth that we consider to be so big in the middle of this universe where our solar system is just a tiny dot in the middle of this galaxy that is one galaxy in the midst of a billions of other galaxies that we know about and yet there's probably more beyond that that God created it all verse 7 you calm the raging seas you know David ties together the calming of the seas with the commotion made by the nations or war you know God is able to bring peace and he is able to calm seas remember Jesus in just one word saying peace be still um, bringing 
peace to those raging seas and they were so amazed that he could calm those seas with with his word but in the same way remember the story where the Assyrian army the the superpower of that day with its mighty fighting forces right there on the doorstep of Judah and King Hezekiah calls out to God he lays out this letter before the Lord and said Lord what are we gonna do we need your help and God sent just one angel, just one, <laughs> and 185,000 fighting men died in their sleep. And God delivered his people from the terror of war. You know, talk about calming the sea. You go to bed one night, and there is a fighting force at your door that is there to destroy you. And you wake up the next morning, and it's gone. It's, it's over. That's the power of our God. And that was one angel in the host of angels that serve him daily. The power of our God to calm the raging sea and to bring peace where there is war. Verse 9, you visit the earth and give it rain. You make it rich and fertile. You know, as I'm gazing out my window here, uh, right now, the uh, pouring rain, and you hear the thunder in the background. Just a visible reminder of God's miracle of the hydrologic cycle. Uh, it's just pure genius, really. I mean, the way that God sends rain and causes that rain to go down and water the earth, and then plants take that rain up, and through the process of photosynthesis, take in sunlight and there's this whole process of, of life that produces food so that we can all enjoy it. It is simply amazing. It really is. And it is God that makes all that possible. He's the one who visits the earth and gives it rain. He makes it rich and fertile. You know, there are so many things about that whole process that we don't understand. And there are things that uh, we may think we understand um, but the more we do, uh, the more we uh, realize that we don't. A few years ago, I read uh, a book by Wendell Berry entitled The Gift of Good Land. By the way, Wendell Berry, uh, an old Kentucky farmer, is, uh, is a writer that uh, you should read. You may not agree with everything that he has to say, but uh, there are a lot of his essays that uh, are incredibly thought-provoking. Uh, Eugene Peterson, a few years ago, when asked, uh, who do you read? He said, I read Wendell Berry. And um, I uh, have been mentored uh, through uh, his writings uh, a great deal. And I appreciate the, the emphasis um, on the holistic nature and the way in which uh, God has designed the earth um, for production. You know, we need to be good stewards of what God has given us. And I believe that it's a part of being a good neighbor, not just a good neighbor to the person who lives next to us, but also to future generations. What are we leaving behind? You know, I remember in many different conversations that I had with my grandfather, him saying, Eric, you, you can't just keep taking, you have to give back. And for him, uh, that meant uh, sometimes uh, taking a field that uh, had a few issues and letting a, a stand of clover grow in it, uh, you know, two or three feet tall and then plowing it under. That was giving back. You know, there's, there's a lot of good reasons for doing that. 
developing the soil's fertility and continuing to to put back those nutrients um, is important to developing good food for the future. You know, all of the farmland that we have today, all the topsoil uh, that we have, is uh, really a bank account that has been built up over hundreds of years uh, when this country was covered largely by trees and the trees would drop their leaves each fall and that carbon um, would go back into the soil, replenish the soil, and then uh, the next year uh, things would grow and take up that carbon and uh, and then they would die and they would go back to the soil. And, and, and that happening over a period of several hundred years built up, you know, four, five, six, seven uh, inches of topsoil, more in some places, less in others. But uh, that topsoil is the, is the bank account, so to speak. And, and it is God that provides that soil with the fertility that's there. And so, you know, with the current uh, farming methods that are in practice in many places, uh, we keep taking year after year. And if you uh, are checking and the people who are checking, uh, recognize that the soil fertility levels are dropping. And why are they dropping? Well, because we keep taking and, and we're not giving back. And uh, adding back things like anhydrous ammonia and uh, other artificial forms of, of nitrogen uh, put some things back, um, but it's not putting everything back. And then uh, spraying uh, using uh, you know, Roundup Ready Seed and, and other kinds of uh, you know, products that will uh, spray down all of the weeds, the things we don't want, and get rid of the pests that we don't want. It's, uh, it's doing something to the process because God designed it. And in every cubic inch of soil, there are billions of little creatures, most of which we have no clue how their life and the things that they're doing affect us, but they do. And so just like in chemical warfare, uh, you know, you can use those uh, chemicals and uh, get rid of the bad guys, but it also gets rid of the good guys. There's collateral damage. And so as we have continued to farm in ways that depend upon that, uh, and again, uh, I think that's, uh, that's part of the system that we voted for, um, and we vote for each and every day with our fork, and I'm not, uh, I'm not completely knocking that. If, uh, if that went away today, we'd all be in a world of hurt. Uh, there'd be a lot of people that would starve um, because uh, we don't have the production of uh, small-scale sustainable farming that, uh, that we had even 50 years ago. But uh, where are we going to be at when the bank account uh, finally reaches a point where it's overdrawn. Well, it remains to be seen, but when you have less rain, things begin to show up in the system. And when you have too much rain, things begin to show up in the system. The soil's not able to take in that excess moisture. It just ends up running off um, and uh, causing flooding and other problems. And, and uh, then when it's, uh, when it's dry, the, uh, the plants are not able to to survive um, because there's just not that uh, that fertility there that God designed and and again it's his design um, that makes all that possible we benefit from it but we don't even begin to fully grasp or understand what's going on there but he says you provide grain for the people of the earth 
verse 9, for you have prepared the earth in this way. And I think it's important for us to remember it's God's grand design that makes what we call agriculture possible. You know, we think we're doing the important stuff by sticking seeds in the ground, but who designed those seeds? And what does, what does it even look like for it to work? God is the one who made that. And he is the one that makes the life that we enjoy possible by much of what we never will fully understand. It's mystery to us. But the more that we learn, the more that we see his grand design. He has prepared the earth in this way. It's God that makes it possible. He says you saturate it, its furrows, and soak its plowed ground. You know, we may complain about rainy days, but it is the rain that makes crops to grow. And, and who brings that rain? How do weather patterns work? You know, it's all part of God's grand design. And he is the one that makes it possible. And uh, it's amazing to see how he does that. Verse 11, you crown the year with your good blessings and you leave abundance in your wake. You know, one of the hallmarks of the kingdom is abundance. And with our God, there is more than enough. And he doesn't just have a plant that produces a single seed so that that plant can continue. No, it produces hundreds, sometimes even thousands of seeds. And he doesn't just give us one substance called food that tastes like cardboard or something else that will be you know, nutritional, but it's just purely utilitarian. No, he gives us all kinds of tastes and variety. He gives us sweet corn and he gives us pineapple and papaya and green beans and lettuce and spinach and the list goes on and on. It's all nutritious and it's all important in its own way and it's such variety, such beautiful variety. You know, again and again, famine and a lack of rain was one way that God used to get people's attention. You know, I think about the story of Elijah and Ahab and the prophets of Baal. You know, it wasn't normal for there not to be rain. And God's desire was to provide abundantly for his people. But there are times when he pulled them up short so that they would be reminded of where their food came from. You know, we live in a day where, you know, you go to uh, the grocery store and you pick out your package of of uh, meat that is all nicely covered in plastic. And we can fail to remember that there's life connected to that. We live by the death of other things. And we live in a way that is many times disconnected from that reality. And, and the feeding of the 5,000 is a great example in Scripture of, of God's abundance. You know, Jesus doesn't just have them collect 12 baskets full of fragments so that they will make sure they have something to eat tomorrow. <laughs> um, he has them pick them up so that they can see the super abundant nature of the kingdom. Here, 5,000 men plus women and children maybe 13, 14, 15,000 people even, that eat completely, they are filled, and then after all of it is eaten, they pick up 12 baskets of fragments. You talk about abundance. God is a God of abundance. He leaves abundance in his wake. <laughs> the 
the uh, the leftovers are more than the lunch. You know, verses 12 and 13 really are a, a picture uh, of the land where God dwells with his people. And it's one of joyful celebration. You know, he says there in verse 12, the pasture in the wilderness glistens with moisture. The hills are clothed with joy. The meadows are clothed with sheep. The valleys are covered with grain. They shout joyfully. Yes, they sing. Wow. It's good and it's right that we should rejoice. We are happy people. The joy of the Lord is our strength and joy is one of the fruits of the spirit-filled life. We have much to celebrate even in the midst of a world that is sorrowing. And so on days like today, the 21st anniversary of the attack on our nation, it might seem like an odd time to be joyful, to celebrate. But I think it's a time to be reminded of the bigger picture. You know, one of my favorite songs is, uh, This Is My Father's World. And one phrase in that song is, Though the wrong seems off so strong, God is the ruler yet. And friends, if there's ever a time we need to be reminded of that, it's now. God is at work in his world. And yes, there is evil in this world. And yes, there are things that shouldn't be happening that are and it may look dark and there may be things that you are discouraged about and you think that the whole world is going to hell in a handbasket, but it's not. <laughs> it is still God's. He's in control. He is sovereign over it all. And we should be vigilant and we should be working and we should be doing the things that we can do. But at the end of the day, our labor is not enough unless the Lord builds the house we're laboring in vain. Unless he keeps the city, the watchman is, is waking in vain. Our deliverance, our hope, our help is and always has been in God. And I think we need to be reminded of that today. I need to be reminded of that. And so as I'm reflecting on Psalm 65 and being reminded of the bigger picture as I look out over this rainy Sunday morning, I hope that you will join me in joyful celebration of what God is doing in his world. That you can say with the psalmist, praise awaits you, O God in Zion. Lord, you are so worthy of praise. And we are glad to be your people. We are so thankful. And we worship you today. Have a wonderful day.